now here we go! Hello and welcome to Parents Just Don't Understand. I am your co-host Kurt. And I'm Chris. And tonight we will be talking about Thanksgiving specials from the earliest stuff like Charlie Brown's Thanksgiving on through uh, later Latter Day stuff uh, such as uh, Craig of the Creek and uh, beyond. Um, and tonight we are joined by a very special guest, uh, Malcolm, better known as Malcolm and is here. Malcolm, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks. Thanks. It's great to be here, um, Kurt. I I really like animation. I don't have kids, but uh, believe it or not, I was a kid earlier <laughs> in my life. So while I do like animation, like talking about it, it's kind of hard to bring up. Not because I'm embarrassed I'm over that, but because a lot of discussion of this medium is very, you know hard to find and even when you find it it's very surface level like anytime someone goes and talks about social media it's either through the lens of like from some show they watched from their childhood or it's in the sense of is this movie good for my kids or whatnot and i feel like we're getting out of that with you know more out non-american foreign animation getting more attention there are plenty of like anim- good animation news websites that document a lot of this stuff. Um, but even then, very rarely will they ever go into the analysis. It's mostly like a business front and seeing what new projects. Yeah, totally. And and like, um, you know, to your point, we, we, we definitely try to straddle the line between like the analysis of themes and kind of the aspect of like, well, is is this good, you know, for for kids? Like, it's definitely something that we try to talk to. Right. But I, I think the, you know, the the reality of cartoons and, and of, you know, children's entertainment in general is that it is both a piece of art and kind of a piece of education. Like kids are very impressionable. And when they see things, they do tend to repeat it, but they also engage with it on an artistic level. And so we, we definitely try to engage with, with uh, both sides of it. But to your point, um, Malcolm, uh, for anyone who doesn't follow him on Twitter, uh, you definitely should, um, you, you are, you are a serious animation expert in, in my opinion. Um, you, you put out a, a really good list of, uh, Thanksgiving, uh, specials that you tweeted out. Um, and Thanksgiving is something that I wanted to do last year, didn't get around to it. And it had been on my list this year, but the challenge was, um, Thanksgiving has never been like a big cartoon special holiday, uh, right. for me. And so when I saw you post that, I was like, aha, Here's somebody who knows his shit. Um, we need to get this guy on, and he can kind of hold our hand through the uh, the the huge field of uh, Thanksgiving specials. Although, like you mentioned before the show, there's not as many Thanksgiving specials as there there are uh, Christmas specials, but there there are still a lot of them. Right. If I could go and put my analysis on the table, I noticed two things when it comes to all these specials. Like, well. Everybody wants a holiday special of some kind and achieve some kind of success. Because if you're like a studio, you basically want a good investment. If you're making a movie or a TV show, good investment with making a holiday film or a holiday special. And if it's successful enough, 
then TV networks will play it every year and you'll hopefully get royalties each time it airs. I mean, this was the case with like, as we all know, a Charlie Brown Christmas special. And, and because of the success of that special, which was ironically enough at, at the time sponsored by Coca-Cola, um, there many like other comic strips came came into the front to try and get their special and the popularity of that evolved more into like animated series christmas and halloween are two are two are two holidays that and that most people obsess over because they're like the two hot main holidays that everyone in the world knows about, including places like Japan where barely anyone is Christian and they know specifically as like an American product. If you ever want to want to see just how like commercialized Christmas is and how we inflict that on the world, you should look up how people in Japan celebrate Christmas. Like they literally eat KFC as like um <laughs> as like a tradition every christmas this is this is not like a joke like kfc put out commercials to eat with like your family i guess if we want to get into thanksgiving thanksgiving specials are a rarity and i think that mostly has to be because thanksgiving is a purely american holiday and i've and you don't see that many in recent years because like you know most people they want to make the most money off of their shows and movies and the, and you want to export that to other countries and you know making an episode specifically about an american holiday doesn't seem like a good investment when you could just do christmas or halloween like the most recent big attempt i remember for thanksgiving was the 20, 2013 film freebird which is literally about turkeys who travel back in time to keep turkeys from becoming the main course of Thanksgiving. (laughs) As we were watching the shows that we were going to talk about today, uh, you know, it struck me that Thanksgiving is much more of a topic on, on TV uh, than in movies. And I think it goes to that point that you're making where uh, movies are made to be a a worldwide product. Whereas a lot of the TV shows that we watch specifically more for the broadcast uh, era uh, before like streaming and, and things like that were were more much more of a domestic U.S. Uh, product uh, th- uh, and not really expected to travel the world like a, like a movie would be. I wonder if like another aspect of it is the fact that uh, Thanksgiving, unlike Christmas, already has a TV event, which is like football. There's always mm. football on. Yeah. Thanksgiving and I wonder if the assumption like like I, I mean thinking back like uh, you know when Charlie Brown Thanksgiving and so on were coming out um these these specials would have been driven very much by the by the individual networks of being like we want to commission or we want to purchase a Thanksgiving special to run on this day like the idea of like you know streaming didn't exist the even the idea of like like an all cartoon channel didn't exist so you were basically going to be putting something in prime time or at least in some kind of prime television viewing thing and so you had like you would have like like the parade you would have football um potentially other live stuff so I, I think it would just be a hard sell to be like yeah here's something to put on this day that you already have a bunch of like expensive tv events Al- although it does seem like to like like what, what you said earlier malcolm that like after they started succeeding it does seem that people were like oh okay we can we can do more of these and i know that like charlie brown in particular 
Um, and then also uh, uh, the, the 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 studio uh, Rankin Bass, who was responsible for both The Hobbit and right. a lot of the like stop motion uh, Rudolph pictures. The, both of those properties or both of those studios basically we're, we're like, let's do a special for every single holiday. And that's our business model. And you see that in, in, in uh, both of those. And although I, I did notice that, uh, Hey Arnold does also seem to really try to cover every single holiday. Right. When you live in America and you live under this little thing called capitalism <laughs> and, um, basically that entire capitalism in a sense turns everything into a commodity and and that includes holidays because when you look at like a Charlie Brown Christmas special or like a Christmas story or something people realize that you can go and take a holiday of some sort and you can use it in an ass in a way to try and sell people something like if you went to like uh, some Buddhist monk that's been living on a mountain for several years and you just showed them what people did on Thanksgiving in America. Like, like I'm pretty sure you would tell you like, what was this? Like some kind of scam because <laughs> Thanksgiving, especially I feel more than a lot of these because, you know, Halloween is all about like selling candy and costumes. Christmas, like the entire figurehead, mythology guy is a guy that goes around giving presents so parents have to buy stuff thanksgiving day is literally the opening act for christmas because when you look at thanksgiving you got you have people having to buy a turkey it's not they have to go and buy pizza you have to buy the specific type of bird that you eat on the specific type of day with your family along with a bunch of other ones that sounds cool enough and then you got American football because we also play football on that day. And then you and then you watching football. You're watching this specific American American sport that literally no one in the world cares about. And then you have the Macy's Thanksgiving parade, which is literally just the the seven companies that run everything just putting out their properties and you know kids going, "Ooh, I know that character." I think more than stuff like Easter, which has the Easter bunny and chocolate for some reason, or like Valentine's Day where you sell like cards to people, like Thanksgiving is the only one that successfully pulled it off in America and to be on par with Halloween and Christmas in terms of, you know, making money off of people. There's this, there's this concept in social studies or social sciences called uh american civil religion which is this idea that like the the official religion of america isn't really like christianity it isn't it isn't any particular actual religion it's basically a belief in america and like the history of america and thanksgiving is basically the christmas of america it is the most it is the most popular holiday that is focused on not just a and not just a historical event, but this weird historical mythology that everybody knows is fake. Like, like, and and but it's so focused on like, oh, we're gonna tell this 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 fucked up bullshit story about you know the pilgrims and how the Native Americans were nice to them and they were best buds and we definitely didn't do a genocide. That's not and and even even now I I can tell you as I'm sure that Chris can, they still do all that. 
even though it, it is like, I mean, Thanksgiving, like the Pilgrim stuff has been canceled for like over well over a decade. I mean, they're right. joking about it in uh, in like the Hey Arnold episode explicitly right. has a joke about like the Pilgrims doing uh, like a genocide as like like uh, crappy Europeans. I mean, it's not, it, they, they don't say the word genocide, but they're they're referencing right. it. Um, and it's just it's just this thing, this like brain worm that lives in people's heads. And as a parent, it's tough to navigate because like your kid's going to get exposed to it. And you have you have two options, um, assuming that, you know, you have decent politics and you're like, no, it's kind of screwed up to to whitewash away the history of like genocide and oppression. That is the history of America and our relationship with uh, indigenous people. You have two options, really. One is to be a total dick about it and be like, no, no pilgrims in this house. You're not doing any pilgrim stuff at school. Like basically like ruin your kid's life by making them like deal with like kids don't understand that. Like you, they don't know how to navigate that. All, the, all that's going to happen is they're going to be at school. All their friends are going to be doing stuff and they're going to be like, my daddy said that I'm not allowed to do Thanksgiving stuff, which is like, that sucks. It's messed up to put that on, on a kid that doesn't like know how to navigate that. The other option, which is the one that I take personally is um, like, you just kind of let whatever is going to happen, happen at school. And then you kind of pull them aside at a certain point and, and you're like, listen, um, you know, th- there's some shit that you have to understand about, about all of this. And like, we've had to talk about like, you know, it's uh, the, you know, the pilgrims and native American stuff is like, it's, it wasn't really like that. Actually, like the indigenous people got a really bad deal. We've tried to explain in like kids terms, kind of like the injustice that was done to them. Um, it's much the same way that we, we approach like depictions of like police in kids shows, which tend to be very much like, Oh, here comes, you know, Sergeant O'Malley getting kittens out of the tree and, and look how friendly he is to everyone. There's, there's no problem with the police at all. Um, and it's just like, it's, but it is tough to navigate. And especially like watching these specials, I was really struck by how central to all of them, like the Thanksgiving play was, they all had some degree of like the pilgrim and native Americans, except for the later ones. I did notice that like the later ones kind of like did get away from that, but it, it is, it, it's a, it's a tricky thing to navigate. Yeah. We're going to get into it soon, but <laughs> as, as time went on, like, if I could say from personal experience, when I don't think I was ever taught it in school, but I guess through like pop culture and media, I learned the story about, you know, the pilgrims and the Indians, because we were still calling them Indians in that point. Um, Kate, like the Indians helped the pilgrims because they were starving and they shared their food. And that's why we celebrate Thanksgiving. And that was like the story that I was basically told, basically just straight up lying to children because again being in a capitalist country such as this you not only need to sell people stuff you also need to give it in ideologically pure mythology Mm -hmm. because christmas has santa claus who gives um toys to the nice kids and cold to the bad kids so be nice and you'll get presents from santa claus and with thanksgiving it's about some part in history where like these, you know, these gentle giant brown people being nice to the first settlers and giving them <laughs> yeah. their food because they're just so nice. And that's why we should give thanks. 
Yeah, and I'm sure that this will come up in some of the specials, especially the Bobby's World one, which I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it, it, that, that one goes uh, – it, it goes some places. Kind of jumping back a little bit, the only thought I had about how um, you know some of these uh, – it seems that a Thanksgiving special might be less prevalent today uh, other than like uh, – you know uh, just – other than just – more knowledge, knowledge about the true story and, and less wanting to depict that kind of thing is, uh, you know, since everything is, seems to be gearing more towards streaming, uh, you know, who knows when you're going to be watching stuff. When things were aired on, on television, broadcast television, there was a set time and you could say this is going to air and people are going to watch this in the middle or the end of November. But when stuff is just slapped on Netflix, people can find that whenever. So it's, it's, it seems a little bit um, harder to just put out a, a random Thanksgiving special on, on Netflix. Um, so let's start talking about these specials in particular. Um, the, the first one that we're going to talk about is 1973's uh, Char- Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, um, which uh, t- to my mind, this kind of is very, I was surprised at how similar this felt to the famous uh, Christmas one, which which ma- makes sense. Um, it has that very similar structure of like, okay, you know, the holiday is happening. Uh-oh, Charlie Brown screwed it up, and now he's got to deal with the problem that, you know, he screwed up Thanksgiving, um, which is, I mean, like a lot of these uh, specials are, that's, that's basically the format. And it, it kind of made me wonder if like that's something – about Thanksgiving where it just lends itself to like, Oh, there's going to be a mishap or if it's because like Charlie Brown, you know, set the standard there. I think that's, I think that's probably the case because uh, you know, everybody, and I I think a lot, like you said, a a lot of the specials kind of deal with it is everybody kind of has an idealized uh, version of what the dinner is going to look like. Everybody's going to be dressed nicely and speak and speak lovingly to everybody else and and say their thanks. But you know, the, the, on the day the oven doesn't work and, and the, the, you know, the mashed potatoes are are crappy and and lumpy and, and uh, you know, things like that. So I I think that that's reflected in, in, uh, although it's strange to be uh, given to like, you know, the little kids, that's more of a, 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 seems like an adult worry um, in the Charlie Brown thing. (laughs) Uh, But it it, it did have a, I I particularly like the the line uh, where Charlie, uh, somebody comes up to Charlie Brown and he's like, Oh, we have another holiday to worry about. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this was actually my first time watching this. Um, growing up, I've actually seen the. I saw the. I saw the Christmas special. I saw it's the Great Pumpkin. I've even. I even saw the Christmas special too. Electric Boogaloo. It's Christmas time again. Charlie Brown. So I saw that. Um, my experience with Charlie, um, with the with you know the Peanuts comic strip. I've actually read different omnibuses of the comic strip so i'm familiar with the characters and watching this strip and watching this was interesting because going in i knew two things that come up every year when like this when well this used to air on abc and now will be on streaming and also pbs there are two things i knew about that one people hated how much of a jerk peppermint patty was (laughs) and two the scene where Franklin is sitting in a lawn chair and how that was seen as racist. I guess when people look back at stuff that they used to see as kids, they, you know, they learn a lot. They get personal taste 
and they see characters act in a way that they know is, you know, it isn't very nice or well-mannered. They look at Peppermint Patty. She invites herself over to Charlie Brown and a number of other people. And so Charlie Brown, you know, be not not being well, not being able to stick up for himself and having low self-esteem, he goes and makes a... Uh, Goes 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 and tries to make a feast, and most of it is, and most of it is just you know stuff that only a kid can make, like popcorn and jelly beans and pretzel sticks. Surprisingly, and I a lot of people want to be like, oh, Peppermint Patty's being a bitch, and <laughs> oh, she should, and oh, she's just being rude to Charlie Brown. That just makes me feel like like people haven't actually seen or read a whole lot of peanuts because that's that's basically the character of peppermint patty is she's like weirdly aggressive she's super high high energy she's kind of like a good-natured bully towards everyone uh, around her and like and like yeah it's a pain in the butt but like it kind of reminds me of something like uh like helga from hey arnold where it's like that like the humor of the situation comes from this character being pushy um, I, was, and, I actually and, have stuff to say about Helga as well. <laughs> I figured that you did, um, but like, like to to me, like that's that's the role of that character, and like part of the reason, part of the genius of Peanuts, and the reason it works is that like each each character has a very well defined central trait, and and like that's just kind of how they are for the for the plot to 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 work and it's why you can sit down and watch one special and be like okay charlie brown is a sad sack peppermint patty is kind of like bossy and aggressive uh you know L- lucy is like extra over the top you know like kind of a jerk uh like that's that's just like how the characters are and why it's funny um and like I, I certainly don't want them to like Steven Universify uh, Charlie Brown, <laughs> where it's all about yeah. like you know like positive and getting along. Which n- nothing against you know Steven Universe, but that's that's not what uh, Charlie Brown is. Yeah, I get what you're saying, and and I love Steven Universe. Like I often think about like you know an experiment that I that I like to do is like if this property never existed and you create this character today. How would people react to it? And I think in the case of Charlie Brown, I think if you, if it never existed and you create that character today, people might be too concerned about, oh, this is going to lower kids' self-esteem. And oh, totally. To, yeah, totally. And if, and if we're going to go and do, like, the honest truth about it is that, you know, what kids got – Kids have to learn that they're going to be losers sometimes. And there are plenty of times, as we've seen in all the movies and specials, that Charlie Brown ends up being a loser. Like, he loses the spelling bee, loses the baseball game. He gets a terrible tree at at the Christmas pageant. And um, I think – and it's not to say that, you know, like, Charlie Brown is worthless or whatever. But, I mean, and sure, maybe some of the people he hangs out with will – give him crap for it but i mean they still hang out how with him he's there's still people there to support him in some fashion so i mean you you know it's like life goes on basically i'm curious i i haven't i i know they put out a peanuts movie um a couple years ago um i'm I'm curious if they change the dynamics a little bit um to kind of update the the characters I, i haven't seen it uh at all but um I have, um, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no. Um, it's pretty much like, 
they don't try and modernize it in any way, which is what a lot of people were afraid of at the time. They don't, there's like no cell phones, but it's basically like a Peanuts greatest hit. The part about the special that stood out the most to me um, as being weird was actually the same thing that stands out to me in the Christmas special. And that's when Linus does like a weird prayer. Um, and the sudden appearance of like very explicit religion is something that you really wouldn't see in a kid's show. And just right. the way that like, you're, it's not only like, Oh, we're going to tell like the pilgrim thing, which like you're, you're like, you're expecting going and you're like, okay, of course it's going to be doing this. It's from like the early seventies. And then the fact that it specifically turns into like a God thing, um, is, is very strange is, to, was very off putting to me. And like, I had totally forgotten, uh, that it was like that. And like, I, I don't think that's, like bad exactly like it is what it is but it was very strange to see that in a cartoon it was as strange to me as if like the peanuts characters had found a gun (laughs) (laughs) i i I cannot uh i've tried it several times to get my uh daughter to watch any of the peanuts specials and she's taken one look at them and was kind of like uh not not really into it so i'm wondering if it if they really have you kurt gotten your kids to watch them at all um we've watched the christmas yeah actually we watched a whole bunch of them um we watched the christmas one we watched uh the one that i always watched as a kid growing up which was race for your life charlie brown which is the one where they go to summer camp and they have to have like a raft race um i watched she really liked the one oh she really liked the one uh where uh snoopy I forget if he runs away or, or or what it is. It's the one with uh with uh, no dogs allowed when like he can't go into the library, I think it is, and there's a voice that goes no dogs allowed. And my daughter really liked the voice singing no no dogs allowed. Um and we had to watch that like 20 times even though it's like a 10 second long uh sequence. <laughs> but yeah, I I mean um it was one of those things where like there was like one day where we she got really into peanut specials and then she didn't ever she didn't ever want to watch them again. We did watch The Great Pumpkin recently um and she wasn't super into it um for for, for whatever reason. It was that that honestly I can't really explain why. She was much more into the Grinch Halloween special. Malcolm, you you referenced this referenced this before, but um, I did see, um, like you said, that it's going to be airing on PBS this year. Uh, but yeah. that's only only because my my understanding is they got shamed enough that the Halloween special was limited to Apple Plus. <laughs> right. They, I I I'm pretty sure that's the reason. I, I'm just going to straight stay straight up here. The Penis comic strip should really be in the public domain at this point, and the only reason it's not is because. You know, we need to specifically keep it in this like this pure puritanical state of some kind. And, you know, when you hear that, oh, these specials that have been airing on public television for several decades are no longer going to be on the air anymore. Like people from all different generations are going to flip out because it's like this is like one of the only this is like one of the only things that. You know, we could all collectively watch. I guess I should. So, um, what were you going to say? Oh, I, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to go on to the Franklin bit because that, um, that's what I was going to ask about. Yeah, because I, I, I admit I had not heard of this um, until you you mentioned it earlier. I, I somehow missed this. Like, it, it seems like Twitter discourse 
um, from a couple years ago. And now it seems like, I guess it, it reoccurs every year. So, so yeah, yeah. yeah uh, please, please kind of talk things through it. Bring up. Um, yeah, basically every year there's this image that circulates from the, uh, special about like everyone's sitting in a chair and Franklin is laying down in a lawn chair. And then basically there's all the accusations that, you know, you know, Franklin's friends are racist and whatnot. In short, and most of it is just jokes because of the time. But I've noticed that because I heard because I heard a story that 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 specifically happened because CB because the execs at CBS when this aired um, didn't um, didn't want Franklin sitting amongst his friends. So either he sits in a, a lawn chair or. We're not going to make this special. And I couldn't find anything on that. But what I did find was a Snopes article that addresses this area um, with, with, with information I already knew. But, you know, Franklin being one of the first um, black characters in newspaper comics, um, you know, Charles Schultz, you know, had conf- conflicts about, you know, including him and whatnot. And basically, you know, like, when when he included him, there were a lot of newspapers who in the South that said we're not gonna print it because you know it's um it has a black kid in it and all the white kids are treating him like a normal person. And he was actually inspired to go along with it once he got like a letter from a little girl who um said that, you know, seeing someone that was actually like like her in the comics just meant so much to her. And it and it went and he decided to go through with it, even though he would come up with like conflicts with many of the people. Like I'm reading a quote here now about how about how about how someone was talking about Franklin singing the same row of schools as Peppermint Patty, and that they said we have enough trouble here in the South without you showing the kids together in school. And this is Charles Schultz saying, but I never paid any attention to those things. And I remember telling Larry at the time about Franklin. He wanted me to change it. And we talked about it for a long while on the phone. And I finally sighed and said, well, Larry, let's put it this way. Either you print it just the way I tried or I quit. How's that? So that's the way that ended. And I just think that's kind of touching and wonderful that, you know, even though it was being produced by a newspaper, Charles Schultz had still had control over what his trip would be. And I, I'd argue that, you know, there's nothing wrong with like sleep it being in a lawn chair. Maybe Franklin just wanted to be it because it's like comfy. Like he even does like a whole like handshake with Charlie Brown once he goes through the door, you know, to instigate that he's black and whatnot. And sure, maybe that's stereotypical, but I think it's like a nice touch on his personality. Speaking of which, um, there's a part in this special where Snoopy has a fight with a lawn chair. <laughs> so I very rarely am of the opinion that like people go quote unquote looking for things to be offended by. Um, but I, I really don't know how you could take this as as anything in particular, especially given like the time that it was made. Like there's the 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 like the idea that it was done like intentionally to me is like kind of absurd, especially given, you know, the, the extent of the control that Schultz had over the comic and like the, the way that he had dealt with race issues in the comic in the past. But also I, 
I imagine it was just some weird artistic decision. Like, like who, who knows why it was done that done that way. I'm sure that if they did that now, somebody would probably notice it in production. They'd be like, Oh no, like, like we shouldn't do this. Um, But I mean, the, the fact that it's like that to me probably just says more about how cartoons were made at the time and the way that people thought about race in general than it does anything to do with the character of Franklin in particular is, is kind of my, my take on it. You know, and you know, it, it didn't, you know, I I wasn't aware of this controversy while I was watching it today. And, um, you know, the scene kind of just played out as it did. And I I didn't really think much of it. Uh, as we're talking now, I, I I did do a Google search of it and, uh, you know, I, I came up with the image and the very first, uh, hit was, uh, the tweet was from the guy who does the, uh, let people enjoy things comic. So, uh, Yeah, so I think that's that's where I, I think sometimes you have to wonder, you know, what, what level of faith people are are operating on. But so I mean, last thing about it, I I, I guess r- real quick, you know, did did either of you like it? It was it was nice. It was it was pleasant. I mean, if there's one thing that you could say, because they made like a lot of these, some of which are clearly set in a specific time period. Like there's one where like Snoopy is um is just basically doing a flash dance parody but you know they might be bland in certain areas and usually bland would be seen as like a chris critique but you know sometimes you need blands to cool off sometimes you don't need like something super extravagant happening and charlie brown like a lot of british cartoons like maybe postman pat or something is very calming and you know it's the dialogue is very simple and, you know, it's something that you could easily follow and very, very mm-hmm. well something like super big happen. I, yeah, I had a good time with it. it. It wasn't anything that I think I would revisit, you know, on a yearly basis. Uh, I, I enjoyed, I particularly enjoyed, uh, you know, the music I thought was really good. Uh, you know, that the classic Vince Guaraldi, um, stuff when Snoopy was doing his little, his little shtick, but, um, but just the, the, the general, um, behind the, the, behind the, uh, the score, uh, was, was really good. Um, it's, that really struck me as just, you know, you don't, you don't really hear that kind of, uh, you know, it was almost like a, a jazzy type of, type of, uh, listening, um, that you don't really see it here a lot in the shows today. Yeah, I, I agree. It's um, I, I think Malcolm was bang on when he said it was pleasant. And I think that a lot of the appeal of some of these older specials, especially the Charlie Brown ones in general, is that they're just kind of like there's not a whole lot to them. It's just kind of like a little story and there's some nice music and it, there's got some like little vignettes almost like most of these Charlie Brown ones. They're almost like, you know, made up of a couple five to six minute scenes. Um, that are kind of strung together, um, which which is just kind of like, yeah, it's it's pleasant. You can have it on the background. The music is nice. And I think I think that that's about it. But it makes sense to be like how it became a tradition, because I think I think part of the thing about these like holiday tradition cartoons is that they are something you just kind of like put on in the background and people don't need to sit there and, and you know, obsessively watch them. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about, uh, I guess, moving chronologically forward. The next one is the Bobby's world special. Oh, uh, and uh, I, I mean, I, I guess just to really quickly summarize the plot of this one, f- f- first of all, Bobby's world is uh, the, the cartoon, uh, it was a Saturday morning cartoon that uh, was produced and created based on 
the kind of storytelling of the comedian Howie Mandel back mm-hmm. when he still had hair and, and wasn't like <laughs> shaved, uh, didn't ha- have a shaved head. Um, and uh, it's really not a very good cartoon. Um, yeah. but it's part of this like trend at the time of, cause I think it came out in like 91, 92 or, or, or so was, was when that the series started airing. They were giving comedians Saturday morning kids cartoons. There was at least two other that two others that I can think of. Um, there was so there there was Bobby's World. There was Camp Candy, uh, which was which was a a John Candy co production, and then there was Life with Louie, which was a Louis Anderson um, kids show, which is a very weird uh, kids show and is probably the the best of the three. But Bobby's World is basically just kind of like a. It's kind of like a Rugrats knockoff, but it's not as funny or as visually interesting or as as clever uh, as, as Rugrats. Um, but the, the basic idea of the Thanksgiving special is uh, Bobby, who's I guess about three or four, is at a library and his mom uh, takes him to like a story time circle. And Bobby basically takes it over and starts telling the story of his family's uh, Thanksgiving, which is basically that. Bobby was at his like school Thanksgiving play and then they are supposed to be driving to, I guess his grandparents for like the big family Thanksgiving dinner and they break down and then they wind up uh, being invited to a Thanksgiving dinner by, by native Americans um, who live at like a motel where all of the houses are like wigwams um, or uh, teepees. And uh, it's, and then they have, they, they they all wind up getting dressed up as pilgrims and and Native Americans and uh, they're I mean it's so strange because like they're trying you can tell that like they they even have a remark about like someone says Indians and they go oh we say Native Americans now um, and it comes across as like very fucked frankly <laughs> yeah after that line you know correcting bobby's use of the word indian he he then continues to use the word indians uh, <laughs> like yeah. he he doesn't switch over uh i'll i'll come slack because he's a child but the the specific a uh, line is um when they when when they break down and the you know the native american family comes you know, to help them. Bobby goes like with that voice, who's also conveniently voiced by Howie Mandel, goes, oh, look, Indians. And um, then one of one of the Native Americans said, actually, Native Americans is the politically correct term, which I just think is like the way of like the writer saying, just to be clear, we're not any of those whiny PC oh, complainers. Yeah by the way. Um, we're totally fine calling them Indians. We're just putting it in there so we don't piss any people off. And I'll just be clear. This is only the second time I've watched entirely through a Bobby's World ep- episode. Because anytime I've tried to watch this show, I just found it to be <laughs> just kind of bland. Like a lot of the humor is based on like puns and not really good ones. And it just doesn't really go farther than that. And you're right when you said, Kurt, about how this is from a bygone era of like, you know, just any celebrity, even just like a a comedian of the, on the same level as Howie Mandel can just say, I want to make a cartoon. And people in America would be like, okay, and then have, have it shipped off to like 
the Philippines or whatever yeah. this was animated. By the you way, know, you- I, I will say, so, th- so, sorry to interrupt that the, the only part of this show that looks good and it looks surprisingly good is the intro credits sequence. The animation is really good in the intro credits sequence. There's some like, there's some like moving point of view, like 3d uh, sh- shots in it that, that look like really good to, to like, and it has the same difference in quality as like a lot of the Saturday morning cartoons where like you can tell the intro credits were done by like an anime studio. Um, and then the rest of the show was, was like farmed out to like whoever was, was, a uh, was a uh, cheapest, but yeah, it, it's a, it's a very ugly show too. Yeah. I remember watching this show as a kid. Uh, so it, it was um, when you we were talking before for the show, when you said it was the same year as uh, I think we said, um, Hey Arnold uh, 97 uh, when this episode aired, that really cut or no recess. I'm sorry. That, that really blew my mind because you know, in my head, Bobby's world is a show I watched when I was a really tiny kid. And then recess was like a little bit older than that. So the, the fact that they were coming out around the same time was crazy to me um but yeah it, it was ugly uh and it was um it, the first the first episode was in 1990 and it went okay. on until 1998 with wow. a total of 81 episodes so wait and, bobby's but, world did yeah it was it was on for eight years <laughs> what the hell? I, I remember even as a kid thinking like this doesn't look like all no. the other shows yeah no like, it's it's what it, and it, it wasn't good Howie Mandel's voice while he's doing Bobby's voice is extremely um, annoying, uh, let's say, because uh, he's doing this like kid's voice. But then he is also he has this weird I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it's just a very strange thing. He, Howie Mandel also voices the dad. Um, I did think it was a good it was a good joke, which I ought, which I definitely did not get as a kid. But their their last name is generic. Yeah, uh, generic. Yeah, generic. I, I thought that was <laughs> pretty clever. Uh, I, I did. Um, so okay, this is gonna. I have to mention this because otherwise, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna burst because I, I realized this. The uncle in Bobby's world is voiced by the same guy who would later go on to do Mr. Grouper in Bubble Guppies. Oh, uh, oh yes. yeah, okay. He's yeah, a very yeah, distinctive yeah. voice, and I I I was watching Bubble Guppies with my daughter, and I'm like, Mr. Grouper sounds because he sings this song and everything about like <laughs> let's go outside, and I was like, that voice is so familiar, and I was like just striking this like long forgotten memory and i looked it up and you know and i shared it with my wife and daughter and they both just kind of looked at me like oh okay but so i i feel like this is a safe space that i can share that that uh bit, bit of information with everybody yeah um for for me i i recognized the voice immediately because he uses same exact voice for a movie i'm pretty sure that none of you've heard of called barnyard it was a Nickelodeon mm-hmm. movie that came out in 2007, which then got a, uh, which then got an animated series on Nickelodeon, and I just remember that show as being what I would just mainly watched um, during the late, dur- during the late 2000s because I fallen out of SpongeBob and I wasn't really mu- watching much else. Like I was, like I said, I never stopped watching cartoons. So, um, but yeah, I specifically, yeah. So you could see how, when looking for like these episodes, how I was 
I'm just scraping the barrel of all of these because <laughs> I was just basically going through every cartoon that I ever known or heard of and just going to the find section on on um, Google Chrome and just type in Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving to see if they ever mentioned the episode description. Mm-hmm. And finally, I would go and find some like Bobby's World or Rocco's Modern Life or whatever. And this is this is what we have here. <laughs> yeah, go. Th- th- to me, to me, this has a lot of the problems of the 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 bad holiday episodes. The for for instance. The framing device of him telling the story makes no sense. Why is that there? It could have just started with him at the play and saved mm. like two or three minutes of the show. Um, and none of that is funny. The only credit I'll give to the show is that Bobby does act like a realistic three-year-old boy. Specifically, like there are little boys that my daughter goes to school with who act exactly like like Bobby does. And so in, in terms of like realistically depicting a child, I would actually say that Bobby is fairly realistically depicted. Um, Every other character in the show is like one joke over and over and over again. The sole joke of the mom appears, appears to be that, that she talks like she's from the Midwest. And so she's always saying, you know, don't you know, you know, and um, she's obsessed with like her corn pudding. Um, It's just, it's, it's not funny. Uh, it's, it's really paint by numbers. Like it's, it's the same plot as like, if you came up with a generic Thanksgiving episode, it would be the plot of this. Um, and and then when it, when it tries to humanize the native Americans and ultimately just makes it worse. Like the, the, the part to me that was like the, that was the strangest, the, the part where it went from like, Oh, this isn't that bad to like, what are they doing? Was when <laughs> they got to where they're like, Oh no, we only, we only brought our pilgrim outfits with us. So we have to dress like pilgrims. And the, like, at first you're like, Oh, this is a joke because it's fucked up. Like <laughs> that would be a really fucked up thing to do in this scenario. And like, and like, the, like at first I was like, this is almost, um, this is almost like a curb your enthusiasm bit where like, Oh, they're going to have to go and be super racist. Um, but that's, that's not it. The, they're, they're just embarrassed because it's silly to be dressed like pilgrims. And um, uh, it's, and then the fact that like, the Native American family, it's like, don't worry, we've got all of our, uh, you know, like Native American gear too, and we'll and we'll go put it on. Um, was this the 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 whole idea was ill conceived? Um, it was like I, I can see it working in a much better written show. Um, like you know what? If some if a show like like The Fresh Prince had done something like this, it probably would have come off as like funny and charming. And in this, you're just like, what are they doing? <laughs> turn turn around, don't go, don't go in this direction. It really makes you wonder that if they were embarrassed about wearing the pilgrim outfit, why didn't they just wear the clothes they already had on? Yes. Yeah. Why why not just but it also really strikes to me and it really took a long time for our media in this country to get over. When it came to Thanksgiving, like along with turkeys and pilgrims, like Native Americans were basically the go-to mascot for Thanksgiving in general. And 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 not even in a sense of like, oh, they're like putting on a show or whatever, but just people felt like 
well, this is a Thanksgiving something. So we have to acknowledge Native Americans for some reason. When you really don't, I mean, we'll realize later on that, you know, we we pretty much treat Thanksgiving as like a nationally mandated holiday where we spend time with our family because that's the only way we can really do and be comfortable with that. And I guess with Bobby's world, they wanted to, you know, do some really, you know, acknowledge Native Americans, but not have to go through to put the effort to consult any because I, I sure didn't see any names in those credits. They're pretty sparse. Uh, but, um, you know, I mean, but Bobby's Bobby's role is part of a bygone era. And now we have stuff like Molly of Denali and Infinity Train giving good Native rep. Yeah, I I specifically mentioned Molly of Denali uh, to, to Chris um, before the show. I really like that show. Um, it's It's got like a very Northern Exposure vibe to it um it won a peabody award this year which Mm. it deserves too like it's very it's it's calm it's it's pretty funny they do a good job of like including like good um you know like moral stories but it's 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 a well-made charming show that also like deals with the subject matter very well unlike this which is none of us you you mentioned it but i i still want to highlight that the, when they go back to the Native Americans' family's house, they they live they literally live in teepees. Uh, it's a motel that looks like teepees. But I, I just that was the one that was shocking. After the moment where they say, "No, no, no, we're Native Americans," like it, it just it was just the fact that they couldn't commit to you know just depicting them as just you know how they are, just people. It, they're just people that they're not. Yeah, the it's it's a it's a very badly written show. Like like we, there's there's yeah there's there's. We we basically found like three things that are really obvious mistakes. One, you don't need the framing device. Uh, two, they didn't need to wear the costumes. And like, you know, th- this isn't like, ooh, plot hole. But like, as you're writing the script, if you need them to wind up in the costumes, you need to have something happen to their clothes. It could have been that like they got rained on. That's mm-hmm. like the obvious one. So it's like, oh, like, you you know, you can't be wearing your wet clothes um, they could have got corn pudding on it. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yes, yes, thank you. Yes, yes, exactly. It could have been any number of things. And then the other thing, of course, is yes, like they, they, they set out to be like, oh, we're going to humanize the Native Americans and show that like they're just like regular people. But also we, we do have to have them living in uh, teepees. And it's like it's it's just it's it's in in try like you can tell that they're trying to be the early 90s version of woke a little bit mm-hmm. like yes. like you can tell that they're like oh we're going to do a good thing um and they actually wound up uh making it worse um so i i thought that this was a pretty shit episode of it was, of it was bad <laughs> I, I did like one bit, uh, and this would probably definitely go over a kid's head. But um, when uh, the, we said that the mom was obsessed with the corn pudding, and then it turned out nobody really wanted to eat it, and then she's like, "Well, I guess I just don't need to make corn pudding." And it was just such a perfect, like, passive aggressive, like, parent thing that was just like, you know, uh, oh, well, I guess nobody really likes any of my stuff anyway. So it, it, I don't know that that just struck a chord with me. And then the dad comes in and says, well, it's okay if you make it anyway, because yeah, yeah. he says, he I says mean, it wouldn't like, be Thanksgiving like, do, without do you want, corn pudding. Do you want her to yeah. make it or not? Because <laughs> yeah. you're just going to, you're just going to, because you're just going to waste food in the process if you're just <laughs> not going to eat it. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I think it sounds like pretty unanimously th- uh, th- thumbs down to, uh, to Bobby's world. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next one is, 
uh, Recess, Recess, I believe. And this one is about a can drive. Now, I did not grow up watching Recess. I, I've seen very, very little of it. Um, do uh, Chris or Malcolm, do either of you want, want to kind of talk through this one? Since I, I'm not super familiar with uh, the show. Oh, um, I guess if I'm going first. Yeah, I'm actually very familiar with it. Even though it's like a late 90s show, it was still replayed throughout um, most of the 2000s, either on like Toon Disney or um, One Saturday Morning, one of those blocks. But it's a, it's a pretty decent show. It's basically a show where like during recess at school, like all the kids gather up in like the specific hierarchy with certain cliques and whatnot. And it's basically like operating in this um, constru- kid constructed monarchy. Like there's a king that rules over and then there are people that have certain spe- spe- special um, talents that basically just make everything go. Through. And we follow like these basically like these five, six, seven kids who go on various adventures or various things, you know, kid-related stuff. It's a pretty good show. It got a theatrical movie back when, you know, that was the thing to do after the Rugrats made a buckload of money. I, I think that's that's exactly it. And um, I, I did appreciate the, it, it was a um, depiction of, you know, hierarchical uh, cliques, but um, they, they took it to... Um, you know, almost almost a, a fantastical extreme, like where when when uh, Malcolm says that there's a king, there's literally a king. Like he sits on top of the jungle gym with a crown. Like it's not just like he's the coolest guy. It, it's so I, it it just had some really fun. Um, and they they did they did a lot of uh, pastiche episodes, if I'm re- recalling correctly. Um, and the the group that you follow around is kind of just like a misfit crew that kind of um, they found each other and, and they navigate this this thing. And I think th- this episode doesn't really highlight that so much except when it comes to um the, the ashley's uh, i think uh because it's kind of like the whole school against the ashley's which i thought um the the there there's there was uh the story is kind of a the, the class that all the kids the main kids are in have to do a can drive and in order to whoever gets the most cans will get a turkey dinner um provided by the school some i i think uh, and uh they said that there's no choice um, no point in um, doing it because the Ashleys are going to win no matter what, because they are. And when I say the Ashleys, it's like four or five girls who are all named Ashley. And it's like, they're the perfect example of the type a kids who probably have PMC helicopter parents. And <laughs> uh, you know, it just, yeah. they just, I think at one point they say your parents just buy whatever fundraisers that you do. That's how you win. So right. I, I, I thought that was pretty fun. Yeah, the 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 Ashleys were were great uh, villains, and I really liked that they weren't related. They were just a bunch of girls all named Ashley, and they all do seem like Ashleys. Like it's a very good encapsulation of like like a uh, dare I say a genre of person, a type a type of girl <laughs> found a new type of girl, um, and and it's uh, it's apparently Ashleys. Um, and and yeah, it was it's uh, so I I liked the show. It did a good job. It did a good job of like, um, it, like I think the best kids cartoons come across very very quickly. Like who the characters are, what the basic concept uh, was, um, and I I don't know I I thought it was charming. I thought it was like pretty funny. Um, the characters were well written. The animation style is a little bit weird to me, especially like the one girl who has like a very tall and like narrow head that's kind of shaped like 
like an elongated oval, almost like uh, yes, yes, Gretchen, thank you. Almost like a almost like Arnold rotated ninety degrees to one side. Uh, yeah, right. Um, uh, before I go on, um, there's actually a. I just wanted to give a shout out to Just Right on YouTube. He actually made a good video on one of the episodes of Recess, and basically alluding that to how. Disney being a monopoly is a problem. But anyway, with this episode, um, what, what I liked about this, this is the one I, when, once I was watching it, I remember watching this as a child out of all of these. And specifically, it starts off with Miss Grouch, which I said in my notes, is like a new age retro hippie of some sort. There's yeah, actually like, yeah. Yeah, um, she's very... She's very liberal. She's very feminist. And this has been caught by, you know, a lot of those clickbait BuzzFeed articles. Like when you mm-hmm. look up her name, you'll t- you'll see like seven times when Miss Grutch was real. And it's funny how this aired on the same day as the Bodyfield one, because they just come straight out of the gate and just say Native Americans. Like mm-hmm. she says, like she says straight up, I have the quote here. And so and so the and so the noble Native Americans share their bountiful food with the undeserving European savages. And that's why we call this holiday Thanksgiving. Damn straight. Yeah. And, yeah. It's a great line. And, yeah. And there's like, on the close to Bobby's world, there's like no like talk about it being politically correct. They just accepted that that's just who we're going to call these people now. Because mm-hmm. I guess at the time there was an argument about that. Yeah. And, well, I, I mean, to, to put some context around it, like um, – Politically correct in especially 90s comedy was the equivalent of like, I I don't know what you would compare it to. It was the equivalent of like complaining about how many types of coffee there are at Starbucks. Like it was for, for, for a number of years, it was like the number one thing that like hack comedians would joke about. And it's one of those things where um, nobody ever said it in a, it really in a in a positive way there was there was nobody who was ever like oh uh look how politically correct i'm being isn't that nice it was always like oh they're being politically correct like it was inherently mocking um much like it is now and and so of course like it became a thing in like every sitcom every cartoon um and and even if they don't say the line like it look at something like Beavis and Butthead and they have uh the one teacher who who whose name escapes me who like like is, is kind of like the the older hippie uh who like plays a guitar um that that type of character became like like just kind of like a walking punchline but mm-hmm. uh, what I like about it in retrospect is that a lot of the stuff that these intention the, these characters that are meant to be mockable say is exactly correct um, right and yeah. in in recess I mean you can tell that they're not even like they're not going out of their way to make her seem foolish um they're yeah. like they're they're just kind of using it as like it is funny but it's it's more funny in the way of like I can't believe somebody said that unless it like take a look at this liberal saying this wacky liberal stuff you know it's it's right it, and and so it's, yeah again like looking back it's like well she said the right thing she's not wrong yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, because like no, I'm pretty sure all of those people complaining like none of those people even knew trans people existed like right. oh no yeah all no. the the next two decades of what what to come in order to be like seen as progressive or yeah. as like, 
you know, someone in the know about all these things. All, all, just, all those people complaining about PC police are the people who now have comedy specials that are like trigger warning yes. and stuff like that. Uh, right. the, I, I, you pointed this out, Malcolm, but I think it bears repeating that, you know, the, the, the episode of Bobby's world that we talked about that had that really awful depiction of native Americans, uh, aired the exact same day as this episode of recess. <laughs> so it's like, you know, the, the, the correct point of view was out there. It's just, you just, you didn't find it on, you know, at least Bobby's world. Uh, and I mean, I mean, even yeah. like, even like Adam's family values, does a better job yes. of it where going to bring that up. Yeah. They, they basically have, um, you know, Wednesday, even in like Adam's family values, you know, they're, they're kind of taking like a more progressive tack than the Bobby's world episode. <laughs> Importantly, you know, it's, it's, it's coming from the, you know, our protagonist slash heroes against the uptight, uh, you know, rich uh establishment uh so i i think that's an important um it's not coming from because in recess you can kind of uh you know uh uh, toss off that line as oh it's she's just the 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 you know the the hippie teacher but uh in adam's family values it's it's coming from wednesday adams who's like always the voice of like not reason because adam's families aren't really reasonable but like the voice of somebody that you find uh relatable there's actually a, a Native American um, a music group that I'm aware of that actually sampled that speech for one of their tracks. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. A track called Red. But to get into the special, um, basically the main conflict is that it's the yearly can drive and basically who collects the most cans um, get, gets a Thanksgiving feast. And, you know, Everyone is grown. Everyone in the class is groaning because, like, you know, the Ashleys win every year because they're really rich. And I thought what was really interesting about this is how it touched on it's it just touched on how to get mo- mostly kids, but also like adults into something. Like, we can't have the kids go. And I think it's really honest in a way. Like, the kids, most of them aren't going to be giving out. Ca- getting cans out of the goods of their heart it has to be in 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 um achievement of something like mm-hmm. why why am i doing this what's going to be in for me in this case is a thanksgiving feast what ultimately ends it ends in like a tie of like a thousand forty six cans and and when when it comes to that conclusion like mike's like oh yeah that's good it was like no it's not nobody knows who the winner is so even after all that after all after all that work, it's not even about Thanksgiving feast. It's about like, you know, just beating the other side. And what happens is all the cans, because they're fighting over one can that one of the representatives of this whole whole drive brought out and they're fighting over it to see who wins. And all the cans start coming down because they're stacked up and all the food gets messed up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you know, Mikey gives everybody a good telling off and, you know, it's like no one's going to get any food this year. And so basically in the end, they put aside their differences and are able to like get enough food through all the connections they have and basically are able to feed like the entire city, I believe they say, like the every homeless person in the city. Yeah, I, I find it interesting that uh, this is. It, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the only special we watched that actually dealt with the topic of 
uh, homelessness and hungry. Uh, every other special is dealing with, you know, inter intra family politics yeah. and, and worrying about that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And uh, you would think that Thanksgiving would be the time, particularly when we would want to um, depict that kind of struggle or, or uh, uh, you know, caring for that for others like that. Um, but it's it's strange that it's really the only one that we really see. You know, I it, it kind of makes sense, though, because you have to think about like, well, what Thanksgiving activity takes place at a school? Because recess is much more so than than the other shows is is set at the school, and so it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense uh, to have like you know a family dinner sequence. Uh, so so I, I mean it, it's possible that they were just like, well, what happens at a school? Oh well, pe- you know people do do uh, can drives. So uh, next up is Hey Arnold, which um, is a show that I personally have always been a big fan of. I really love, I, I think what stood out to me originally about, about Hey Arnold was just like the, the interesting setting of like, it, it's very much about kind of like latchkey kids in the city. They're mm-hmm. very independent and also has a really good like jazz soundtrack. Um, so it has, it has like a neat setting has a neat soundtrack. Um, and uh, I really liked this the thanksgiving episode uh that we watched which was basically about like both helga uh who is kind of like um has kind of like a love-hate relationship with with the the protagonist arnold where like she has a crush on him but isn't comfortable expressing it so she kind of acts well like a bully towards him and arnold uh, the the titular Arnold, um, who is a kid who lives with uh, his his grandparents um, in like a boarding house uh, that that they run, and um, they both get fed up with their families and decide to like basically play hooky from Thanksgiving, and they wind up uh, visiting the dinner the thanksgiving dinner of their teacher who's like super obsessed with thanksgiving and they ultimately wind up learning that like everybody's thanksgiving is kind of a pain in the ass everybody's family is kind of a pain in the ass there is no perfect thanksgiving and like it, the the important thing is kind of just like spending time with your family um so i i don't know i i was a big fan of of this episode so i'm curious to hear what you all thought about it yeah i I had I'm similarly a big fan of Hair Arnold. Uh, watched that as you know as a kid, um, and uh, this episode in particular, I, I really enjoyed. Uh, I think that's an important message because about you know a lot of these shows are about um, you know the the not reaching the ideal as Thanksgiving, um, but they don't always get that extra step of hey but you also have to love the people you're with like it's not just uh you know it's not just oh you don't get the idealized thanksgiving and then you you know it, it, it's it, I, I thought that was an important um message I, and I, I thought it was handled really depth uh deftly because uh the teacher when they find out his thanksgiving's like going off the rails he's not really embarrassed by it he's just like you know it's my family it's just how they are and you know i'm still having a good time i, yeah. th- I thought that was great something i noticed about like someone i remember someone describing hey arnold like as like a soap opera which is like probably the best way i know that seems my maybe kitschy kitschy for some people but it really is when you look at the look at how the episodes are set up and the places you go with all these characters well i will admit i haven't watched every episode but 
even when during like the 2010s, I would just like randomly watch some episodes on Xfinity on demand. And I remember just look, watching them and looking at how down to earth it was. And I noticed that a central theme for Hey Arnold, especially with this one, is that people in poor circumstances are able to, are still able to find happiness. And I guess if we're going to talk about, you know, Hey Arnold, you can't go and talk about without talking about the character of Helga. And, you know, there's always, you know, there's always like these sync pieces where people go like, well, if the gender's role will reverse in this situation, you know, Helga is kind of stalking and whatnot. And I told <laughs> like, I said in my notes that Helga is an interesting, unique character who in today's climate would absolutely be on the chopping block for being quote problematic quote and there are many people who can who can explain this better than i can but in defense of helga in the sense that sure maybe she could use some counseling but based on her background and based on her feelings toward arnold's coming from a very honest place because it's not just like a weird crush it's clear admiration because you look at Helga's situation, even in the special, um, like her father's like very upstanding and wants her to succeed at everything. Her mother, most of the time, is both emotionally and mentally absent. And she has an older sister who we later, later on had the same problems as her, but she's just seen as like the per- as a beacon of perfection to her parents. She's just kind of left. And so she's kind of had this sour attitude towards a lot of things. Yeah, and I, I mean, you know, for for context for anyone who hasn't uh, watched Hey Arnold, one of the interesting things about it is that it deals much more explicitly with it with adult themes. Um, so, like Helga's mom is very explicitly in the show an alcoholic, and and I mean, she loses her driver's license for a DUI. Uh, I, I believe within like the actual plot of the show, she's shown like she's always kind of shown to be like passing out. Helga is shown to have to like make her own lunch for school. Um, her her household does not seem to be like abusive, but it definitely doesn't seem to be happy. Um, and I, I I would actually say that the depiction of, of her household in this episode is actually probably one of the more positive ones, even though it's mm. still kind of kind of kind of crappy. Um, and that that I think is really unusual in a kids show from this era, um, and they they pull it off very well. Like watching this episode, you really do feel bad for Helga for like she's kind of dreading the fact that her sister Olga, who's going to come home, and Olga is very much like the golden child, and uh, her parents always give more attention to Olga, and Olga is always kind of like kind of a dick uh, to, to 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 Helga. Um, and so it makes perfect sense. Like, unlike some of these shows, um, where people like lose their patience with their, their family, um, it really makes sense for Helga to kind of be fed up with, uh, Thanksgiving after like she handmade like a centerpiece out of like, uh, to, to look like, like a big pine cone. And, um, she discovers that like her sister has like carved one out of ice and her parents are like obsessing over it. On the other hand, um arnold running away from from his thanksgiving is an interesting inversion of the character where one of the things about him is that his family is like wacky and quirky and over at 
Arnold's Thanksgiving, um, his his grandmother is obsessed with the idea that it's actually the Fourth of July, and so they're all like like dressing up. So it it it, it makes sense for it. It does make sense um, for him to kind of like blow it off too. But it is interesting that in most of the episodes, it's like, oh, it's cool. He's got like a quirky family, and in this one, he's kind of like, I, I would like to just have like a regular you know Thanksgiving for once. We would be remiss to uh, talk about Hey Arnold and not mention his absolutely fabulous uh, pad uh, at the top of his. Oh yes, his, uh, just that's just like that's the dream uh, house, I think. Yeah, <laughs> and I guess, and since we're pretty much spoiling all these specials, I gotta say, <laughs> an underrated moment for me was when you know Helga and um, Arnold see what Mister Simmons' family and friends are like. And, of course, Lover, because he's in a long line of characters where they were gay, but they couldn't say they were. Um, when Helga guts back home and her family is actually worried about her, which I think is a, I think is a really neat underrated moment. And contrast that with Arnold going back home mm-hmm. and basically his grandpa's putting on an act as if something terrible happened to everyone. And it turns out it was like a surprise. We're going to give you a, a Thanksgiving feast and whatnot, which really contrasts with Arnold's grandparents and, and, you know, neighbors they know Arnold well enough that he would not be like the type of kid to go and be run away yeah. or anything like that. Like they know Arnold loves them and, you know, would not just go back on them. And he's currently going for some stuff as opposed to Helga's family where like, Oh shit, she actually did run away. What do we do? And how do we find her and whatnot? I did have my, my only like gut laugh of watching these was when they show Helga's family, like freaking out about her running away. And her older sister says that she was making like, posters to help find her and when they show the poster it's got her in the front doing like a fashion pose and you can like barely see helga behind her and i (laughs) didn't think that was like really funny um but i I mean uh let's uh so so closing thoughts on the hey arnold special i thought it was great um you know it did still have like so many of these specials for some reason have the thanksgiving play and this did also have the the Thanksgiving play, it did fit into the plot a bit more. Um, but I, I, that was the only part that I, I think didn't work for me. Otherwise I, I really liked it. Oh, uh, the, the Mayflower replica sinking was really funny too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. To say. So yeah, if you can find it on, uh, any streaming service legally, watch Hey Arnold. If you haven't already, it's on Hulu. I think Hey Arnold is, is definitely special because uh, it, it depicts kids in the city, which is very unique uh, among animated shows. I mean, TV in general, but uh, especially for kids, kids animated shows. You, do you guys know where Hey Arnold takes place? It's in, uh, it's in what, Queens, right? It's in Washington. Really? Yeah, the city based specifically called Hilltop takes place in the state of Washington. Oh, weird. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I always assumed it was New York. Well, yeah. we'll definitely have to do a, a proper Hey Arnold episode at some point because there's a ton of really great episodes of that. Um, yeah. But so last on our list uh, is one that it's a show that I've never seen. I had never watched an episode of this before. 
Um, and I will definitely be be seeing if my daughters are interested in watching this, which is Craig of the Creek. Um, which again, this is this is not a show that I was especially familiar, but I I really enjoyed this episode of it. Um, and it was I, I it wound up being a nice introduction uh, to the show for for me. But could could one of you kind of kind of give us a rundown of of the episode? Basically, Craig of the Creek is a takes place in a suburban neighborhood in Maryland, where this kid named Craig along with his friends JP and Kelsey, basically go and do a bunch of adventures, usually off from school or during the weekend, in this area called the Creek, which is basically like the far the forest area that wasn't, you know, cut down when making a suburban neighborhood. And basically in similar to similarly to recess, um it also has a specific hierarchy of different cliques and whatnot that they treat, especially they even have like the council of the Creek, which is like three dungeons and dragons nerds who are basically seen as like, you know, one of the cases of authority in this area. And it's basically just them having Avengers and whatnot. It's a, it's a neat show and with different personalities. I won't give too much here. A lot of people want to give this show the business because the creator of the show is white and Craig is a black kid. And people go and talk about how, like, you know, because, you know, you see articles about how, like, this is a neat show of a black lead. You can see and people go, oh, well, it's actually created by a white guy, so it's not authentic, which... I mean, which really shows how much they know about animation because it's a team effort. And if you look at the people behind the scenes, like the storyboard artists and whatnot, which are all on Twitter, most of them are like black men and women. And, you know, it's it's really shows that not everything, the creator is not the be all end all for that. There's also some slight controversy when it first started airing because Craig's older brother Bernard is is um currently is dating a white woman and because get out was still in the public consciousness you know people had a problem with that and it just really tells me that people took the wrong lesson from that movie mm-hmm. so so this didn't occur to me until just now but but Craig is a literal uh Bernard brother he's a literal Bernie bro <laughs> Sorry. Well, so and, and it's interesting you you were giving uh, the background of the show in general, Malcolm, because uh, this specific episode doesn't really go into that. This is centered, focused mainly on him going to his family's Thanksgiving and uh, you know the hijinks that ensue because his uh, older brother uh, accidentally uh, destroys his mom's. Uh, I think it's a pumpkin pie, uh, yeah. and uh, so they have to try and uh, recreate it. Yeah, they have to try and recreate it so that uh, it, she doesn't lose face in front of her her mother in law, and, and uh, the the, uh, the they go to great lengths to do that. And uh, it's it's I found this the show to be extremely uh, funny. I love the art art style. Um, I particularly I, I had heard about this show because um, the 
The guy who does the theme song and th- the composer of the show is Jeff Rosenstock. And he is, uh, oh. from, yeah, he is from two of my favorite brands. Uh, you know, he, he's a solo guy. He's put out some amazing albums w- within the past couple of years. And he's also, he used to be in a, a band called, um, bomb the music industry, which was one of his solo, uh, it was solo, but he had a, kind of a backing band as well. But, um, the, so I was very, so he, uh, he had been promoting this show and and so i was really uh glad to have an opportunity to check it out that explains why there's a bunch of ska uh yes. in the in in the music of the show which i i mm-hmm. did notice and i was like well that's interesting that's a little bit incongruous um not often that you hear ska in a non aquabats uh children's show but i did like it um and, and like I, I, I also liked kind of the variety of, of music. There was a funny plot point at one point where they're trying to distract the grown-ups so that they can make a new uh, pie and then eventually so that they can go and, and purchase a new pie uh, to replace it. And um, his his older brother gets out like an, an old iPod and, and says, there's a playlist on here called 90s Hits. Put it on track three and then let it run and like like, <laughs> like, like that'll do the rest. And and then they they, they kind of cut to like kind of like a generic like faux 90s you know hip hop R and B anthem um, playing and like like all the grownups like uh, going nuts over it. I, I thought that was like really funny. I, I, overall, like the relationship between the kids, I really enjoyed. I liked the the tension between like the older brother and the younger siblings, and like they they did a really good job of kind of like depicting the transition from like being a teenager to kind of being considered an adult and kind of feeling, especially around family, feeling like you're kind of you're kind of you're, you're kind of like re- revert to an older version of yourself because people still still like look at you as a kid. Um, I don't know. It was, it was funny. It was, it was neat. It was another one that had a weird framing story that I didn't know why they did it. I, I, I guess purely for the joke at the end where it turns out that like the special pie that he brought was like the pie that fell on the floor and has like dirt and stuff in it. Yeah. Um, but it was, it, it was, it was, a, it was a good episode. Um, there were we 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 talked a, a little bit before the show about the fact that the narrator of Craig's flashback is Keith David the 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 absolute god voice actor and and actor in general um who who some of you may know as a as a the arbiter um he's done a lot of cartoons he's been in in a, a number of movies he's he's great he's got a really distinctive voice um, and he was the cat from Coraline. Yes. He played Spawn in that 90s show. And he plays the main character of Goliath, uh, among others, on Gargoyles. The cast, well, and most of the voice actors are like kid actors, but also some of the adults you'll notice are you probably familiar with. Like Craig's father is voiced by Terry Crews mm-hmm. and um Darnell Williams, who is the brother of Craig's father, is voiced by Little Rel Howery. And if that name doesn't ring a bell, he was the TSA officer from Get Out. Oh so, okay. Who is and, who is the grandfather? Because his voice was very familiar. The grandfather he, was Phil Harris. He's yeah. been in like 170 films last time I checked. And he was I, I, uh, 
he was most recently he was Silas Stone in uh, Doom Patrol. If you watch that, I haven't. No. Okay. Yeah, he's, he's Cyborg's dad in in Doom Patrol. Uh, I I also noticed uh, Phil Lamar was the older brother, and he's like a, a classic uh voice actor uh right. he's just he's great when he shows up samurai oh, yeah. jack static shock the guy that gets shot in pulp fiction <laughs> futurama uh yeah. the, I, what i liked about this show uh as you were saying kurt was like the tension of and because you said the tension between uh the older brother and the younger siblings and it's it, it's very much uh evident uh depicted as like you know leveling up to the the kids table and, and i appreciated uh that whole um you know wanting to be at the adults table uh and and, and you're, you you know you're stymied because you're still uh there's always a cousin who's just a little bit older than you who, who gets that spot uh i i also re- appreciated this because it was i think the only one that was a straight up like a thanksgiving that you would see in everybody else's household where it was just like everybody sitting down for thanksgiving you know you're concerned about the food and uh like you know there's yeah uh, the, yeah Nothing the, wacky the, the, happens. Nothing wacky happens. I mean, like the the uh, the the the, uh, wo- the you know woke college uh, uh, um, cousin comes back and she like you know says you know yeah yeah Thanksgiving's canceled but you know what I gotta eat and like yeah. that's kind of how everybody is treating it these days where it's just like we all understand that this is just a kind of a a, a made up holiday that's just <clears throat> made to you know uh, uh further the the religion of america as you said kurt but uh you know we can't turn down that turkey yeah and, and also and, like how often do you get a govern a how often do you it's like you don't really want to stir stir the stir the pot too much because like how often are you going to get a day off from like work and whatnot and like it's like, you know, all those, it's like, you know, MLK Day or whatnot. Like, this is one of the only times if your family's dispersed across the country, like, you get to spend time with them. And we're just going to keep it this day and we're just going to do it with that, even if it has a questionable history. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I mean, like, to, to be clear, this, this is one of those things that, I I have kind of thought through and come to I, I think probably the the same conclusion that it sounds like Chris has, which is like the problem the the problem with Thanksgiving is a bunch of stuff that is easily jettisoned from Thanksgiving and even like Thanksgiving the the idea of it specifically being affiliated like with you know the pilgrims and with this weird like American myth is something that itself has shifted over time. Um, and, and so like, you know, in something like this episode of Craig of the Creek, there, there is, there is none of the stuff about Thanksgiving that's messed up. It's literally just like everyone gets together and has a nice meal with their family. And I, I think that that's the ideal way to, uh, to approach it both, both in real life and in terms of making like media from that, you know, for about Thanksgiving, they, they didn't even bother to deal with the question of like, you know, the first Thanksgiving or the pilgrims, they were just like, let's just have it be about how hard it is to have a big dinner and the expectations that people place up like upon their families. And I think that if you, you know, I think that it's extremely important to be aware of what was being 
covered up effectively by creating this fake narrative of like, oh, you know, this nice friendly get together. Um, but the idea that doesn't mean that the idea of having a friendly get together is itself canceled. And I, 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 I kind of think that it would be pointless to be like, oh, we're not going to have the holiday anymore. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get together on, on like a different day. Uh, like, like, I, I think that that's the right way to approach it is, is to be like, okay, well, let's, let's focus on the actual history of indigenous people in, in America, but like, also let's just have like a family dinner and that's probably a good way to approach it. And so I, I really appreciated that that was how this episode, uh, how, how this show kind of took that on. And I, I thought it was like a nice, like pretty grown up story about like, I, I was really surprised at um, where the tension in the episode came from. I, I, I liked that the resolution was uh, Bernard realizing like, I'm not a kid. I don't need to solve this in a kid's TV show way. I could just go to the store and buy another pie. Like it, it was, it was very, it was like a very nice uh plot and like character moment for that character and it i i i feel like i came away from the show like really having a good grasp of at least who the the characters in craig's family were and it was it was it was well done and again keith david always does does an awesome job and i did like how at the end they were like that was a great story why was my voice uh so deep <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i i mean uh i guess Final thoughts on uh, Craig and the kids table. I liked it. Uh, I, I thought it was great. 10 out of 10. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same. It was, it was my favorite thing we watched for, for today. Uh, I, I thought it was just, uh, it, it didn't, it had, it was new and energetic, but not in an annoying way that some of the newer cartoons are. Uh, it, it was, it just seemed, it seemed fresh. Uh, I, I, I liked it. I should say that I, I think I have a soft spot for this show because I feel like it's tailored to me because like, you know, there have been previous cartoons, um, you know, starring, you know, black leads, but this one is about a, a black kid who grew up in a mostly white suburban neighborhood. I'm a black kid who grew up in a mostly white suburban neighborhood. This Craig has a cousin who lives in the city. I have a cousin that lives in the city and Pretty much a lot of the things that he likes to do, stuff I like to used to do when I was growing up. Like, I mean, to even tailor to my specific interest, there's a whole um, episode that's just basically a homage to Pokemon and using evolution as like a concept of growing up and whatnot. Well, I, I mean, I think we've pretty much covered every possible angle of uh, Thanksgiving specials and, and uh, we've gone pretty deep uh, surprisingly. So I would say on some of the individual shows. So I, I I mean, uh, any, any closing thoughts uh, Malcolm on, on kind of the Thanksgiving specials in in general? I guess it was just, I guess it would just be that it's interesting to go through the lineage from 1973 to literally last year and seeing how all of these shows of varying of varying similarities in some senses um, tackle the subject of Thanksgiving, and it's interesting to look at where we are now with Thanksgiving and what Craig of the Creek did is pretty much how we're going to be treat, treating Thanksgiving here on forward, and it doesn't look like it's changing anytime soon. But if I have any closing thoughts on Thanksgiving, it's um, 
if the Macy's Thanksgiving parade opens up with no crowds and all those people holding the balloons wearing masks, that's going to be really depressing. Yeah. That that was my thought as well. Watching watching this stuff today was just that uh, you know it, it's strange talking about Thanksgiving and classic Thanksgivings and seeing all the families get together because this year is just going to be so strange and so different for you know a, a ton of people. And so it, it's nice to be reminded that and maybe given a little bit of hope of w- what we can get back to hopefully when this is all over. Yeah, it, it, you know, for for us, we're basically like we're going to be cooking a turkey by ourselves uh and then we're going to uh skype into my uh my aunt and uncle's uh thanksgiving thing which they are doing uh fully virtual um Mm. so a bunch of different people are going to be skyping into their house i guess or or zooming in and uh while on the one hand i'm not especially looking forward to navigating the technology aspect of that given that all my relatives are somewhat somewhat older um i think it'll be nice uh and i have to say having a young kid it will be nice this year to not have to worry about like leaving Mm -hmm. too late and now our one-year-old is like freaking out because she's never been awake at you know nine o'clock at night before (laughs) so i hear that (laughs) um so so malcolm thank you so much for coming on the show uh this has been a real delight where can people uh find you out there on the internet if you want them to find you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I have a Twitter account with my full name, Malcolm Rambert. Um, I am on Letterboxd, where I will occasionally re-review and add movies. And I try to do what I can, but between college and my my retail job, it can be tough to put in time to watch stuff and write a decent review of something but i could i could give a spotlight to something that i am you might see in the future so if anyone is familiar with like the anime and japanese animation you may be familiar with the anime nostalgia podcast and last year the host of that um wanted to do episodes on people's experience with anime in other countries and because I have specific interest in how other countries approach media and how they import it and export it, I I took up the task, you know, to help the host of that podcast with that. And this has basically been like a basically a full. It's ne- next month is going to be the anniversary of that. This has been like a full year project of me gathering information as much on different countries from Italy, France, Germany about how they got anime, what specific anime is popular there, and whatnot. So, I mean, you might see that in the future um, or not, but that's something I've been currently working on. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, again, Malcolm, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening to Parents Just Don't Understand. Uh, Happy holidays and uh, have a great one. Cheers. Treasure